0: Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive, and here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Friday, and we're going to talk about quarterbacks today. We're going to do some almighty takes, hopefully, but we're going to talk about quarterbacks. But instead of talking about the way that we have talked about quarterbacks for the last 20 years, we're going to talk about it a little differently. We're going to talk about the backup quarterback position. We're going to talk about extending Josh Allen instead of talking about is he capable of elite level quarterback play. Because let's start there. If you don't think that what you saw in 2020 from Josh Allen was franchise elite level quarterback play, we're probably going to disagree on the vast majority of the rest of this podcast. So let's start there. You may want to turn this off if indeed you are someone listening to this pod who does not think Josh Allen was that good in 2020. If you think maybe he was just a product of something else, maybe he just makes, I don't know, really short passes to wide open receivers. That's it. That's all he does. Just a product of Brian Dable. Perhaps this might not be the podcast for you but we are going to talk about quarterback because it is the most important position in football. And because of that, it's something you have to constantly be talking about unless everything is kosher there. And everything is not kosher for the Bills quarterback room. It could be. It's getting there. We have a big chunk of it taken care of, which is, can your guy be elite? Yes, he can. But that's not the only question that goes into forming a quarterback room. So we're going to talk about the Quarterback room in general, and we're going to start with the backup quarterback situation because there's a couple things that I think need to be done in the quarterback room this offseason. If you held a gun to my head and said, Bruce, you're running the show, what are you going to do? I say, I don't really want to run the show. I, I do, I have to give press conferences. They say, Yes. I say, Can I pass? Can I politely decline? You tell me no, and I say, Fine, here's my plan for the Bills quarterback room. In 2021. Step one, upgrade from Matt Barkley at quarterback two. I like Matt Barkley off the field. I think he's been valuable for Josh. Brandon Bean flat out said he's been a blessing. The Barkleys, not just Matt, but his wife, have been a blessing to the Buffalo Bills. And I think there's a reasonable possibility that the Bills bring back Matt Barkley on a one year, $2 million deal or something like that. But I would like to upgrade from Matt Barkley. And perhaps you're saying to yourself the old adage that I hear sometimes from other people when they comment on the Bills' backup quarterback situation, which is this. If Josh goes down for the season, we're screwed anyway. That's what they all say. Completely, I think, missing the point of a backup quarterback. There is no backup quarterback in football who is going to give you an equal chance to achieve the same heights as a franchise-level quarterback because if they did, they wouldn't be a backup. However, two or three games in the middle of the season can be the difference between the one seed and the three seed. Two games at the end of the season, potentially one of them being a playoff game, can be the difference between a Super Bowl run and getting bumped in the first round of the playoffs. The timing of your franchise quarterback's injury changes the trajectory of your season. Very rarely do you have a Nick Folesian sort of situation where your backup comes in and leads you to a Super Bowl. However, a backup who can play competently enough to keep the thing afloat for three to four games, perhaps, is an important factor. And so I'm not interested in just... A guy, a JAG, if you will. JAG is an acronym, stands for just a guy. It's a term people use in scouting all the time. I'm not interested in that at QB2. Especially when you have some names who I think could be beneficial to the Buffalo Bills potentially available on the free agent market. Track has Mitch Trubisky at $8.3 million a year. Ah, probably not for me. Andy Dalton, 6.8, getting warmer. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jacoby Brissett, Colt McCoy, all of them, I think, have proven to be better backups or backup caliber players in this league than Matt Barkley. I'm not here for the curse of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I just just spare me that one. Spare me the every time Ryan Fitzpatrick comes to a team, the quarterback in front of him gets hurt. I don't believe in curses. Just it's not a thing. So you, you're not gonna get anywhere with me, with that particular mindset. But I think Jacoby Brissett would be wonderful. I would be thrilled to have him as a backup quarterback. If he becomes available for the Bills, because he's not re-signed by the Colts to compete for their starting job in the absence of Phillip Rivers, and potentially doesn't have a lot of suitors for a starting job on the market, I'd love to have him as a backup quarterback for the Buffalo Bills along with any of the other people that I mentioned previously. But Matt Barkley is not the level of quarterback that I want to have protecting the season hopes of this franchise in the event that Josh Allen goes down. Step two, which is the natural step after one, not just for chronology purposes, but also because you might be thinking, Bruce, what about Jake Fromm? I'm not a Jake Fromm believer. Draft another one late and learn from Barkley and from. Learn from those particular picks. When you draft a quarterback late, I've never understood this. Well, his ceiling is a backup. What that says to me is that you drafted someone who doesn't have starter level traits. So why don't you just draft someone who has starter level traits? Because those people, those trait-filled quarterbacks who potentially aren't maybe as safe as other things, they're still available later in the draft. Kellen Mond is probably going to be a day three pick in the NFL draft. I'd be surprised if he went on day two. But he's got tools to work with. And I'd much rather have a quarterback who gives me tools versus a quarterback who doesn't. We discussed on this pod ad nauseum yesterday and every other time we've talked that tools give you options. More options are better than LS options. So draft someone who has tools. The way I feel about backup quarterback is really simple. If I can't get competence, at least give me YOLO. If I can't get competence, at least give me variance. That's what I want. And when you have someone who has low ceiling with low traits. I don't think game managers are good backup quarterbacks come in. Just don't screw it up. Don't mess it up. You're already taking a massive hit to your chances of winning when you have a backup quarterback in and you should probably have a pass heavy offense So if you're going to do that, at least give me variance at the quarterback position. Give me somebody with a great deep ball. Give me somebody with scrambling ability. Give me somebody with tools. Give me somebody with YOLO. You guys remember I was an Anthony Gordon person last year. Late round draft pick, undrafted free agent. Give me Anthony Gordon. If I can't get competence, at least give me variance. Give me something at backup quarterback. And I currently don't have it with Barkley or with Fromm. I might have the floor, but I need the ceiling too. If I only have floor, that's not variance. That's just not good. And I'm not a Jake Fromm believer. And you know this. If you listen to the pod that I put out with Joe Marino today, we actually kind of dabble on it real briefly when we're talking about some cornerback prospects. Not a Jake Fromm believer. Wasn't before the draft. Wasn't after the draft. Nothing's changed since then. So step two is draft one late with starter tools. Learn from Barkley. Learn from Fromm. I'm worried the Bills might be developing a type at QB2. The third thing is wait a year to extend Josh Allen. I recognize this is probably an unpopular take. And I got to be honest, this is not one I feel crazy strongly about. And what I mean by that is, if it was me, I would wait a year. I'm not going to throw a fit if they extend him this year. It's a 55-45 sort of scenario for me. Now, I'll tell you why I would wait a year, because my opinion deserves explanation. But I will say two things before we start with it. The first one is, I think they're going to do it. I think the Bills will extend Josh Allen this offseason. I wouldn't. I would wait. But I think the Bills are going to. And the second thing is, obviously I wanted to make sure I told you, it's not a super strong opinion. Like I said, it's 55-45. This is not 100-0. This is not me throwing a fit if the Bills re-sign Josh Allen to a big extension after one year. You probably already knew I was going to say that because you listened to the Book of Bruce podcast where you don't re-sign players based on limited sample sizes. And that's point number one. We have a limited sample size with Josh Allen. And when I say limited sample size, I don't mean limited sample size as far as experience. I mean limited sample size of acceptable play relative to the contract that you're going to give him. I am not a believer that 2019 Josh Allen is worthy of a massive contract extension. I am not a believer that 2018 Josh Allen is worthy of of a contract extension. I do believe that 2020 Josh Allen was that level of play was worthy of a contract extension. But we've still only seen it once. So let's talk this through a little bit. We're going to kind of do a Q&A session where I'm going to sort of talk to myself. We're going to start with this. Here are the rookie wage scale quarterbacks who signed starting QB market second contracts after zero seasons Of 60 or more QBR, or one season of 60 or more QBR. Jimmy Garoppolo, Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, Jerry Goff, Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton, Ryan Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett. Here are the quarterbacks that signed extensions after two or more seasons of 60 or more QBR Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, Colin Kaepernick. First question, Bruce, why did you use 60 or more QBR? Well, I couldn't really go through and do stew for every single one of those years because Stu requires you map out every single quarterback. And I would have to map out every single quarterback for every single year. And it was just too much. But I like QBR overall. It's a well-rounded analytic metric. That accounts for a lot of different things and 50 is considered average and 60 is considered to be above average. So the list of names I just gave you were people who have achieved before their second contract coming off a rookie wage scale, one or zero years of above average play or two or more years of above average play. And I'm pretty sure you can tell there's a fairly significant difference between the two groups. Hey, Bruce, where are Dak Prescott? And Kirk Cousins. Well, neither Cousins nor Dak signed a market starting quarterback second contract while they were on a rookie wage scale deal. They were both tagged after the deal was up, and then they played on the tag. So they didn't qualify for this. But Bruce, none of those quarterbacks had the top peak that Josh Allen did. None of those quarterbacks in that upper section had the ceiling that Josh Allen showed in 2020. Actually not necessarily. Allen had a QBR of 81.7 in 2020. Wentz in 2017 was 78.5 and Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017 was 82.7. So their peaks were very similar in production to Josh Allen. Well, come on, Bruce. Jimmy Garoppolo, goodness gracious, he played six games in 2017 and Wentz played in 13 games exactly my point. Sample size matters. Their peak may have been overshot because there wasn't a significant enough sample size. But Bruce, if we don't sign Josh Allen now, the price will go up. Yes, you're right. It will go up. And that's a point in favor of extending him now. In fact, I would make an argument the most significant determiner to whether or not your opinion is Hey, we should sign him now, or hey, we should wait a year. Aside from blind faith that he's just the guy, give him whatever he wants, is how much does it cost the Bills to wait? And there's really no way of determining that. Now, on one hand, you can say Patrick Mahomes got 45 million, roughly, average annual value. So no matter what, it's not going to exceed that. And it was already probably going to be in the 40 range. So it can't possibly cost the Bills more than $5 million. That's one way to look at it. Or you could look at it as, hey, a new TV deal is being signed by the NFL in 2022, and at one time, Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo were both the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So if you wait, maybe Josh Allen does command a quarterback contract that's higher than Patrick Mahomes. So, depending on what you think the price tag goes up to influences your opinion of this discussion quite a bit. I kind of sit in the middle where I acknowledge that the 2022 TV deal is probably going to increase cap. And as the cap increases, so too do quarterback contracts. I have a hard time imagining a quarterback who just set the market by as much as Patrick Mahomes did getting leapfrogged in the first calendar year or two after that. I have a hard time imagining Josh Allen even next year going for more than 45. So in that case, you think, gosh, what are you losing? 5 million annual average value? Four? To collect another year's worth of data? That seems reasonable and prudent to me. Okay, well, Bruce, it doesn't matter. If we sign him and he regresses, it doesn't really matter. Okay, well, first off, How much does Josh Allen have to regress for you to not be comfortable with it? So I just mentioned that 2019 Josh Allen is not extension worthy in my opinion. So if the truth of Josh Allen, let's say he does regress, right? The truth of Josh Allen is somewhere between 19 and 20 in that scenario. Because I have a hard time imagining he's ever going to be worse than 2019 Josh Allen. I just... He's made too many improvements for that. But let's assume for the sake of this argument that the truth of Josh Allen is somewhere between 19 and 20 as far as the years go. If he's closer to 19, I'm probably a little nervous. If he's a little bit less than 20, I'm still perfectly comfortable with that. I don't think he has to be better than 20 to be an elite franchise quarterback overall. Obviously, specific things I'd like to see. Overall, I don't think Josh Allen needs to be better than 2020 version of Josh Allen in order for me to be comfortable. I just want to see it longer. In addition, when a quarterback regresses like that, yes, there are cap implications and things like that. But the biggest thing for me is the behavior of the organization changes. The Rams, the Eagles, the Niners, the Jags, they all did suffer or are making decisions to avoid trying to suffer or mitigate cap issues because of their quarterback contracts. It has been reported and opined openly that one of the additional caveats to the Rams trade with the Lions for Matthew Stafford is they had to trade a one and a three for Matthew Stafford, and they had to give him another one to take Jared Goff's contract off their hands. So it does matter. I used to feel a lot more strongly about this than I do. I used to use explosive language like, it'll cripple a team. And I don't think that's really wise on my part to use that explosive language. It doesn't cripple a team, it markedly inconveniences a team. It doesn't destroy a franchise if you sign a quarterback to a contract and you end up wanting to get out of it in two years. That doesn't destroy your entire franchise. It just hampers you. And the question is, is that, hampering, is that hampering equal to or greater than the benefit? So if you think about it like a Mendelian square, where there's four sections of the square. The first section is, we don't extend him this year, and he regresses. No harm, no foul. The other side of the cube, in this case a square, it's got four sections in it. The other side of the square says... If we do extend him and he doesn't regress, again, no harm, no foul. The only two things that really need to be actively compared are we extend him and he regresses or we don't extend him and he doesn't regress. Those are the two things we have to compare. And what are the weights of those two things? Again, for me, it's 55-45 in favor of wait another year, just to be sure. Because I'm a prudent guy. I'm a patient guy. I don't like paying people on one year of production. And I don't think that's insane at all, by any means. So the pro you get from extending him now is you get him at a lower cost. We don't know exactly how much lower cost, but the 2022 cap situation with the TV deals, that does change things a little bit. So it depends on how much you think you're going to gain by extending him this year versus how much you interpret the loss in the event that something else happens. Now, you might say there's zero chance that Josh Allen regresses at all. It doesn't matter. In which case, obviously you're on board. How much you should care about something, we've talked about this before, how much you should care about something is the likelihood of that thing happening multiplied by the effect of that thing happening. That tells me how much you should care about it. And if you think there's a 0% chance of regression, then I would say that Zeros and hundreds probably don't exist much in football. We've talked about this before. So that's probably not probably not something I would agree with, a 0% chance. But if you think there's just no chance of it happening, then obviously you're going to be on board. So I personally wouldn't do it for all those reasons that we talked about, but I'm not going to throw a fit if they do because it's not an 80-20 thing for me. It's not a 95-5 thing for me. There was a time when it was. I started preparing for this podcast weeks ago, and at that time, I felt a lot more strongly about it than I do now. I used words like reckless and stupid, and that will go to show me how dumb it is to use that explosive language when it talks about things like this. I don't think it's reckless or stupid, to give Josh Allen an extension. I'm 55-45 in favor of waiting another year. If you're not, that's okay too. And I think the bills are going to do it. And when it happens, I'll go, okay, I would wait another year, more sample size, I think is good, just from a scientific evaluative standpoint, but I'm not going to throw a fit and I do think it's going to happen. So we're going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We're going to do a couple almighty takes. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We talked about the quarterback position. I got a little bit heated about making sure that the Bills had a better backup in place for Josh Allen, because I can handle some drop-off, and I expect some drop-off, but I don't want That big of a drop off between 2020 Josh Allen, who was a top five, three quarterback in the NFL, depending on who you talk to. And let's just take a quick look at that real fast. So you guys know about the QB stew. I told you to make sure you boned up on the QB stew composite. In case you haven't been on my Twitter, I did QB stew rankings. Josh Allen was second in the league. Next to Aaron Rodgers with a 3.57 QB Stew composite. QB Stew is a composite of CPOE, EPA per play, NEA, QBR, passer rating, DVOA, and PFF grade. 3.57. I You cannot make an argument that Josh Allen was not elite in 2020. You can't do it. You're just going to look like a fool if you try. I don't want to drop off from that. Way down to an offense that was built to pass the ball. I want a better backup quarterback. I talked about it. But we're going to talk about other things too. We have an almighty take from Chris who says, Hey, Bruce, my almighty take is that even if the Bills cut John Brown, he will still play in the AFC East next season. The Patriots, Dolphins, and Jets all need wide receiver help, especially with Brown's skill set. Brown would come with insider knowledge of the Bills offense, and it would give Brown another chance at being a number one receiver. Yet another reason to keep Brown on the roster. I do think that John Brown would be in demand. Now, I don't think he would be in demand as a number one receiver, but people who do the thing that John Brown does will always have a role in the NFL. I do think he's far more of a complete receiver. Than other teams thought he was. One of the reasons why he wanted to come to the Bills is because the Bills gave him an opportunity to show that he was a complete receiver, not just a deep threat. And I think over the course of his time here in Buffalo, he did prove that. I have very little interest in creating a hole by cutting John Brown. I would very much like to see an extension or a restructure to keep that from happening. But I can absolutely see him going to the Jets or to the Patriots. The Dolphins, if they don't draft a quarterback... I can see them drafting, you know, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell at their pick at number three overall. So they may not be in the mood for it with Devonta Parker already there, but I can see a place for him in the AFC East. Absolutely, Chris. I think this is somewhat probable for sure. Another Chris messages in and says, almighty take for free agency. With the Bills being so close to making the Super Bowl, Bean swings for the fences and grabs a high-end talent, think Watt, Clowney, Von Miller, and non-responsibly sacrifices reasonable quality starters or depth players to do so. I haven't heard Bean say yet, like in previous years, we're more than just one piece away from a title. This high-end player will not live up to their contract next year, leaving us thinking that we could have done that with cap money instead. I believe two of Feliciano, Milano, and Darrell Williams will be sacrificed to make this deal happen. Thanks as always for the great podcast. Chris, this is interesting because what Brandon Bean did say is this isn't a Super Bowl team yet. Now, I don't know what he means exactly by that, but that doesn't feel to me like he's saying they're one piece away. It doesn't feel to me like when he talked about the Chiefs And he said the Bills weren't a Super Bowl team, that he felt like he was one piece away. I will say this, Bean has thus far been aggressively, specifically targeting players. He traded up for Josh Allen, traded up for Cody Ford, traded up for Tremaine Edmonds. Last year, he didn't trade up at all. We were like, what? What are you doing, Bean? Apparently, he tried to trade up for Zach Moss, so he wanted to. But he hasn't been aggressively non-responsible as you talked about. He hasn't been aggressively irresponsible. In fact, he has been responsible and conservative to a fault on occasion. I'll give you a great example. Keeping Trent Murphy is an aggressively conservative move because they could have gotten $8 million in cap. That was aggressively conservative. That was conservative probably to a fault Because he didn't know what he was going to get out of second round pick A.J. Epinesa. And he wanted to make sure he had people he trusted on the defensive line. And was willing to eat $8 million to do it. So I don't. I'm going to say somewhat improbable here. Because I haven't seen him do something that I thought was irresponsibly aggressive yet. I have seen an irresponsibly conservative move. But I haven't seen irresponsibly aggressive yet from him. Now, to be fair to Chris, he's never been in this position before. He's never had a team that was in the AFC Championship. And maybe he does start to bite the bullet a little bit. Maybe he does start to kind of, you know, get a little antsy to take that next step. Maybe that's the case. I think it's a great, great question and theory posed by Chris here. I'm going to say somewhat improbable because I don't think he's got the aggressive irresponsibility in him but he very well could. Ladies and gentlemen, we're done. We talked about quarterbacks. We did some almighty takes. I'll see you next week. I won't see you next week. I'll talk to you next week. You won't talk back to me unless you want to email me. I am Bruce Almighty at yahoo.com is the way to get me those almighty takes. Keep sending them in. I'll keep hitting them every chance I get for the podcast. So I appreciate it. It means a lot to me to have your almighty takes in the offseason because quite frankly, you guys can help me generate The kind of content that you want to hear. And that matters to me because I want to talk about the things I want to talk about, but I also want to talk about the things you want to talk about. And until then, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rubbling.